Here in my office today, we have Terry Henderson, music director, music extraordinaire, all things music here at St. Mary Immaculate. Terry, how does it feel to be on your first episode of the pod? It's pretty cool. I think um, it's hard to relax in this setting and, you know, keep things going, but I'm excited. I've always been wanting to do podcasts, so this is a great way to get into it. Cool, man. Well, it's awesome to have you here. So this is a lot of millennials are going to be coming through here, and Terry is no exception. He's one of our younger people on staff. You're 25? 25. 25. Yes. And you've been here for just over two years? Mm-hmm. This is my starting my third year. Third year. So I guess my first question is, tell me about how you started here. Like, what was the process like getting involved here at St. Mary Immaculate? So it's actually a very interesting story. My voice teacher from DePaul um, was very close with the previous pastor here, Father David Meadow, and um, he was looking for a music director because my predecessor was leaving. So there was some they needed to find someone to come in and kind of change things, elevate the music department, and um, keep things afloat. So um, my teacher recommended me for the position and Father David and I had multiple meetings after that. I came in and toured the building. Um, I sat in a couple of masses when no one knew who I was. Um, but it was pretty, it was a, it was a very quick, quick process. Um, we did a lot of conversations while he was in London and then we met maybe three or four times when he came back and the last music director was out on Friday and I was here Monday morning. Holy cow. There was a two-day turnover? Two-day two day turnover. So I never really met her at all to know who she was. I only heard um, from stories and you know what she did before and what she left, but there was no there was no prep. There was no, like, documents. This is how things work. Um, so A real trial by fire. Yes. There was no, no smooth transition for me. So I spent most of the first year just, like, learning how everything <laughs> works. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because they don't tell you that when you first get into the employment world, that a lot of your initial job is just figuring out what the heck you're trying to do. Yeah, they don't prep you for that at all. It's just like, here are all your skills and tools to do said job you want, but also you have to learn like each employer's procedures and how they do things. Mm-hmm. And like you really don't get to the grunt work of what you've been trained to do until very far after you learn how things work in the place where you're working. I always joke around that, like, it's, it's my third year and I still have no idea what I'm doing. Just like that. just That's very reassuring. <laughs> As someone in the congregation, you're like, oh, I wonder if the music guy knows. Yeah, so, I mean, you always look professional up there. Because uh, Terry conducts the 9 o'clock choir, mm-hmm. and so he always makes his presence known. You'll see him because you're like, oh, it's the guy with the funky hair. Yeah. That's how people know you. Yeah, it's become like, it's either funky hair or crazy socks are the two things that people know <laughs> me by. That's true. Your sock game is very strong. Thank you. Thank you. You do I, have good socks. Even in the office, like, again, the meetings is all about, oh, Terry's got cool socks on. Thank I you. can't pull off socks like that. You just got to do it. You just try. You just put on, just get a, you is start. That your, that's your fashion advice. Like, what's, <laughs> how do you, if you don't feel like you can pull off a certain sock. You just try it. Start with very basic things and then go extreme it's fine i'm wearing striped socks right now he does for our listeners he has very nice socks on gray orange green stripes Mm -hmm. and purple and purple purple accent Mm -hmm. in there yeah 
Strong sock game. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want to about the music, but man, he's got good. Got great socks. Got great socks. It's <laughs> all that matters. It's all that matters. Fashion game on point. And so, where did so when you started here? What was your what was your background uh, college wise? So I um I started singing at six, and then I was in a choir for twelve years, um, Chicago Children's Choir. And then I went to DePaul for my BA in music, focuses on opera and composition, and there you go. So I've been I've been doing music since a very young age, piano, violin, conducting, composing. So it's kind of been ingrained in me for a very long time, and uh, took it on to college. And was it like particularly Catholic music too? Like I know the like certain choirs and stuff they'll like. Catholic music has like a very rich tradition yeah. like in classical music. So I guess the r- proper term you're looking for is sacred music. Sacred music, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, most major choirs or just choir standard repertoire does involve a lot of sacred music because that's where the music kind of was born. It was during you know early church, Gregorian chant, and all that stuff, and everything was borrowed from that style. So I did learn a lot of all that. Um, when we had to do the Our Father in Latin, I learned that in school, so it was very easy for me. But um, stuff like that, yes, I did learn a lot, a lot of sacred music. So coming here, it was just like, okay. And it seems like a lot of, like I talked with Emily, and I know I've talked with Diane, she'll be on the podcast soon. It seems like a lot of people, ministry isn't like what they set out to do. When you were studying music, what was the goal in your in your mind before you started here? Uh, ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I I know I was I was job hunting. Yeah, a hundred percent job hunting. Um, I was working at a restaurant before while I was in college and just kind of became a manager and picked up more hours as I graduated. But um, the goal was to go to grad school to keep okay. keep learning and keep doing other things and just to defer loans and to kiss like keep keep learning and keep studying but uh, I got the call for this job and that kind of put that on halt for a while because being here is just it just consumes you my main goal was to to get a lot of orchestral conducting experience so Mm. finding orchestras to work with or to shadow to sit with and kind of learn that era of music but uh, I was called to come here so that kind of all took its staggering halt and I had to move in a different direction that's that's kind of the life of a musician you know you you think you're going to do something else but you have to follow which is the best opportunity or the easiest opportunity or what's going to keep you alive and sustain you for that moment yeah time. you're kind of always seeking that next yeah. thing while even while you're in the midst of yeah what you're kind of currently doing mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's a lifestyle like you think about I'm I come from the background like I did stand-up comedy a little bit when I was in college yeah. and very very brief moment in time was like maybe I should do this mm-hmm. and I very quickly realized like I don't know if I have the drive to continue to do this because it's something that's very every day mm-hmm. like you're always trying to find your next thing you're always trying to gain the skills yeah. and improve on what you have it seems like it'd be something that's very difficult when you how do you this is just for me personally. I don't even care that we're recording anymore. <laughs> although, <laughs> although, but I, I want to know, like, uh, so how do you go about, like, finding uh, conducting jobs like that? Like, is it's it just sending? very frustrating because the conducting world is very, very, like, exclusive is kind of not the word, but kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know a conductor, great. But they're also going to be very stingy with their podium time because they worked so hard to get to that podium 
and they don't want to share it. And having a student come in and say, well, I want to learn from you, great, they'll love that, but some conductors like, I don't have time for that. Like, I need to focus on my podium and on my students or my professionals, and that's it. Um, so you really have to create the opportunities on your own. And I did a lot of that in my undergrad where I was creating small ensembles or small choirs or small like orchestras or whatever, and then bring a piece of music and then I'll conduct it. And it's kind of the way that you have to do it because every post-grad school for conducting wants you to have experience, which makes no sense. How am I going to get experience if you haven't taught me anything? Well, that's the catch-22 of every job. Yeah. Like, especially when you're job hunting initially, everyone wants you to yeah. have three to five years experience okay. and take a <laughs> minimum salaried job out of college. You're like, yeah. well, I can't get three to five experience if you don't give, it give me you. that opportunity. Right. So it's really kind of you have to be very bold and just, like, asking for it or asking for the opportunity or, you know, creating a collective on your own mm-hmm. and kind of just okay I'm gonna no one's gonna give me an opportunity I'm gonna create them by myself and figure it out and how to make myself known so I can move to the next step yeah so and in terms of sacred music then is that something that you just kind of find your niche with I think what it sacred music particularly is something that every musician has had to learn at some point whether it's very in-depth, whether it's in choral music or orchestral music. Obviously, it doesn't exist in, in jazz, but elements of jazz were taken from that, so they so there's, there's lots of correlation. But um, people that focus solely on sacred music go to school to get degrees in sacred music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I envy them. They're much, much smarter, have better understanding about how, how it works and where it came from. But um, for me, it's just kind of like a subject that I took learned a lot of information, sang a lot of the music, can relate to it, can talk about it, can teach about it, but nowhere near as far knowledgeable as I would like to be on something like that. Well, it's one of those subjects, too, that it seems like it's just a well of information. Like, you just keep diving deeper and deeper Mm -hmm. into the history of it and how it's evolved and all that kind of stuff. And I remember back when I was in seminary, there were – a ton of guys that were really really interested in it they knew all these like, ins and outs and stuff and it was just so over my head i couldn't even wrap up my mind i mean I, I consider myself like a decent musician i played violin for all like a long time growing up and mm-hmm. i'm very familiar with that world but it's like holy cow like, there's so much stuff yeah so i spent an entire not a semester but a depolar there on quarters on just learning you know, sacred music history and music of the past and going, you know, studying codexes, which is the old style of how chant was written, how sacred music was written. And the notes really didn't look like notes. There weren't bar numbers or measure numbers or anything like that, or even bars. And you kind of just, everything was about feeling and like you had to just figure it out with the people around you. And we had these ancient books with like all the details and like studying that and then taking that and putting that in modern notation so we could actually read it and sing it um, was in a complete quarter of, of, of work just to learn where that came from and how it worked and 
how that relates to now modern music. That's crazy. That's funny because Latin is kind of like that too. If you study Latin, mm-hmm. Latin has like no punctuation. No. At all. No. So mu- the music was the same way? Yeah. They, they correlated perfectly because if the text didn't end, neither did the music. So you had to figure out, okay, well, where do you breathe? Where do you take breaths? Where does the sentence end, for lack of a better term? You know, where, how do your phrases work with what you're trying to say? Do you, obviously you would create in American language run-ons and it wouldn't make any sense. So it's, it's really, really interesting if you take each little piece and part of that type of music and then look at it and say, wow, okay, now from this is where we got the song too, Angus Day, Gloria. You know, that's all, all of it comes from that. And it's just been, you know, composers from the time just created it to be more accessible. Very, very beautiful, very interesting world that we live in. But without that, we wouldn't have the music we listen to on the radio which is wild. Yeah, so that was kind of leading into what I was about to ask you next. Mm-hmm. So how do you take stuff you learned from that class and apply it to choir in the 21st century? Yeah, so, I mean, everything has a base, right? So, I mean, before you even get to, like, singing that type of music, building a choir takes, you know, trust. It takes freedom at the same time it takes a lot of just like molding and shaping well what does it mean to be a choir you know what does it mean to sing together what does it mean to sound good and all those answers are different between working with professional singers and in ministry so though the spectrum is super wide because no one there's no right or wrong answer it depends it just depends on who it's coming from and taking ancient traditions and trying to bring them into the modern world not as hard as you might think it is, but I think it's, it's harder to digest. So our generation would be like, what is that music? What, <laughs> yeah. why, why is it so boring, some people would say? Or why is it so monotone? Well, Gregorian chant is monotone music. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Or why, you know, I don't hear a melody. Well, melodies weren't created yet. Or were they? Now, then it just opens up a lot of discussion. And I, I, when I first got here, I did a lot of just like talking when we were in school, when we were in school, when we were <laughs> in choir. Yeah. It's just a lot of just like, okay, well, what does music mean to you? What is music? You know, yeah. it's like going back to the question, well, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Right. If there's no one here yeah. there to hear it, right. does it make a sound? Does it make a sound? And it's like, okay, well, if I drop my pencil, is that music? Why isn't it music? Or why is it? You know, and those type of like weird questions date back to that time. Interesting. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> the one conductor who does the was it three minutes and 33. John Cage. Yeah. That <laughs> 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 seems to be like everyone will probably ask you about that for the rest of your life. Like, yeah. what's the deal with John Cage? And, you know, my understanding of that interpretation is anything that you hear in that span of time is what it's supposed to be. No one else is going to experience that piece of music the same way. And if you think about it from that perspective, it's brilliant. And a lot of people think it's like ludicrous. So you just hired an entire orchestra to sit on stage, turn on stopwatches, and they literally turn blank pieces of paper. They turn pages, which... So you, they do, the, they count in their head. Mm-hmm. What's the time signature of that right. song? What's the time signature? Is there a time signature? We don't know. And I think it, it's kind of up to the, the environment to create that. And that's where you get into like new music and atonal music, all that stuff. Like, 
very experience, experience type music and like let's let's experiment. Let's figure out okay, we're going to do a complete piece but of silence. But is it really silent? Is the question he's asking. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting look at and it's an interesting exploration of what music actually is, which right. I, is like you said is the point of the music. Mm-hmm. I remember being in an um, orchestra for non-music majors at the University of Iowa. And so it was like a one credit hour class. Uh-huh. Uh, the only thing you had to do was you had to go to a performance on campus w- of the orchestra mm-hmm. and you had to sit at the orchestra for the concert. So like you could miss every rehearsal if you wanted to. <laughs> but as long as you were there for the concert <laughs> and you played, uh, you got credit for being in the class. Wow. And um, so I went, like everyone went to the rehearsals. There was never, attendance was never like a massive mm-hmm. issue and you sounded like garbage at the concert. But right. um, I remember the conductors were grad students at the university and they would pick the per- pieces that we would perform because it was for them, they were conducting mm-hmm. at the graduate level. And so they needed uh, to showcase what they could do. Right. And I was always so mad that they never picked like classic song like they never picked anything from mozart or beethoven or any of those they always picked something from like the early 1900s or like the late 1800s of in classical music would be considered like modern but they were always kind of funky sounding i never particularly enjoyed playing those Mm. that's interesting yeah and i never i i mean on the evals you were like let's play something modern or classic next time mm-hmm. and uh they never heeded our our cries <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, we're, i mean we're also in a very interesting time for classical music and music that's not like radio right now yeah and that world of music is kind of suffering in a lot of ways because we were we were always supported by the older generation which is unfortunately dying out so, I mean, you can see major, major opera companies are having this problem. Major, like, symphonies are having this problem because young people aren't, well, not enough young people are going to those type right, of productions. Right, we don't consume that we kind don't of consume, music. Right, unless you went to school for it or you appreciate it like me. Like, I, I'll go to the symphony if it's something I want to hear. I'll go to the opera if it's one of my favorites. You know, like, but I'm a special case. Right. Like, I can't talk to one of my other friends like, well, let's go see an opera this weekend. And you're like, excuse me? Yeah. It's yeah, just, opera is like pretty much where I draw the like. I'll go see? to a symphony, but opera is. I bet that's one of those things. Though I'm probably just stubborn. Like I'd probably really like it if and, I went. And but. that's the and that's the thing that that world is trying to figure out. How do we appeal to the younger generation? How do we get these millennials and Gen Zs in these seats and supporting the classic art? How they're doing that? It's kind of working. We're figuring it out, but it's something that has to be figured out or we we lose we lose it all and then we'll end up losing sacred music because not enough people are studying it yeah or we'll end up losing you know the people who just know things from like brahms beethoven and bach but what about everything before that and everything after and everything in the middle so it's like it's a big i mean i could talk about this stuff for hours because it's it's a big just pitfall of everything and like there's never enough information yeah, and there's never like a solid answer either. Yeah, which yeah. Is you just kind of just keep going and going and going to you might find a spot to stop talking about it. Yeah, and to move on. <laughs> well, I guess at this point, then we'll just stop talking about <laughs> it. So, uh, 
Terry, thanks for coming on. We're going to have you back for another one soon. So, awesome. yeah, if you're ever at the 9 o'clock here at St. Mary Immaculate, wave at Terry. He will be waving in the opposite direction <laughs> at his choir. <laughs> that was good, John. Okay. All so, right. uh, yeah, thanks again for coming, and uh, we'll see you next time.